invest in and follow principles. That has proved to be pretty successful. This landlord's gonna make almost two million bucks over the next 12 years for doing something one time. Mm -hmm. And that's like residual. This guy's got another seven retail spaces and he's got 10 stories of apartments about it. And I'm like, man, I'm on the wrong side of the coin, right? I need to own real estate, not brokerage. You start doing deals that are absolutely life-changing, like that puts you on the path for intergenerational wealth. Welcome to the Real Estate Home Runs podcast. I am your host, Louis Van der Horst. This is a podcast for busy professionals who want to learn about passive income producing strategies that have helped others crush it in the real estate world. Whether you are a new or seasoned real estate investor, this is the podcast for you. I'm excited to get to know you more, George, and to introduce you to my audience. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, um, yeah, I'm excited as well. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit more about your background. Born and raised in, in South Florida, actually. Um, okay. Single family real estate there. Moved to Dallas um, after the uh, real estate crash. So 2008, moved to Dallas. Uh, kept doing single family real estate, started doing some small multifamily, and finally, about four years ago, started focusing more on on large syndications, um, mm. you know, 100 plus uh, apartment complexes. Okay. And what was uh, that shift or motivating factor to go from uh, residential to now uh, commercial and large apartments or yeah, I mean, because of the uh, recession yeah after the recession uh, didn't get too hard hit mm -hmm. too hard during the recession uh, mainly because we were doing a lot of wholesaling and some okay flips. so didn't have um, too many properties that we were holding on to uh, and then the prices got so bad in, in South Florida. I mean, it was dropping daily. Couldn't really do anything right in the beginning. Um, and with real estate being, you know, full time at that point, uh, yeah, decided to, to look into other areas. We looked into, into Dallas and uh, it was pretty stable. Uh, mm -hmm. Night and day compared to, to South Florida. Okay. So we made that move and um, Couple years after that, I decided to open the construction company. That was to scale the single family. Was the mm -hmm. idea, which it um, it did help to to take our fix and flips to the next level. And then, um, like I mentioned, four years ago, three and a half, four years ago, I kind of looked back at what I had done and kind of just felt like I was um, I, ha I had to be working in the business every single day, hmm. writing it out. And um, at that point I was already starting to build a family and I realized that um, I needed to put more systems in places. I needed to um, have some more passive income and uh, be able to gain that time back to spend with my family. So hmm. that's what made me start looking more into multifamily. Hmm. And, um, same with the construction, you know, started focusing our services more on, on multifamily and, and commercial mm -hmm. and, uh, with the different clientele base and the different um, investment strategies, I've been able to gain that time with my family. 
That's good. So as, as a result of that, the uh, construction company uh, was born. Um, you came up with systems um, to better what you were doing. Um, would you mind giving some practical ways that you implemented systems uh, to free up your time and be able to leverage what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it starts well, yeah, I guess it's to start with systems. So I was going to say it starts with the right people. Um, hmm. Kind of go hand in hand. Um, you know, you can have the right teammate, um, but if you don't have the proper systems, it may not work out. So, yeah, I, I, I okay. guess we can start with the systems first. And, um, you know, one thing that I noticed was using software – um, and being able to automate a lot of the functions definitely helps free up time and uh, it allows me to, to be able to track certain KPIs where, you know, my team is, is reporting to me weekly and I can kind of keep a, a track on those KPIs and jump in front of anything that, that, that's not looking right um, before it's too late. So that, that, in that sense, it helped. And then once I felt like I had the proper systems, then it was finding the the right team, mm. uh, you know, and that uh, that in itself is a struggle. But but once you you mm -hmm. do find um, the right person and you put them in the right seat, uh, mm -hmm. it makes a world of difference. Hmm. Yeah, a a players for for those positions that you need uh, fill. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah. And um, did, did you always see the, the a construction company as another step or another um, um, subcategory within your big company? Or that was just a need that you saw arise um, through the flips that you were doing and the wholesaling and then where you wanted to see things go down the line? Um, yeah, no, that's a great question, man. It, um, it came as a need. You know, it wasn't um, something that was thought of before mm -hmm. <laughs> as part of the master plan. It, um, the master plan was to scale the, mm -hmm. the single family flips and um, couldn't find a good contractor to help me do that yeah. to, to open the construction company. Um, now, though, it, it's more, more part of the plan with the multifamily um, mm -hmm. you know, it, it works hand in hand. Um, and I think, uh, multifamily in general kind of works that way. You know, when you bring in property management in-house, it's kind of the same, same idea, mm -hmm. um, which is probably something down the line for us. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Okay. And uh, are most of your investments in the Dallas area that um, your crew works on, or you will have sometimes uh, your crew, uh, your construction crew fly to different places to work on, on the projects there, or it all depends on um, the partnerships even that is, that is in place. Um, all of the above. All of the above. <laughs> no, um, you know, we, we have crews, stationed in Dallas, and then we also have staff in Houston. 
Mm. So Dallas and Houston are are our busiest, um, where we have the most work. Mm-hmm. But then we do have jobs um, throughout Texas and throughout Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Uh, we come up with a good system to to mobilize and 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 get those jobs done. And our crews are are willing to to travel. Mm-hmm. Get it done. Nice. What would you say has been your biggest accomplishment up to date with um, what you have done in real estate? Um, man, up to date, my biggest accomplishment in real estate. Um, I would have to say it, it would be making that transition from from single family to multifamily, um, and and deciding to to stick with it, you know, in the beginning I was doing both the single family and the multifamily and, um, I was spread too thin. Same with the construction company. I was doing residential. I was doing multifamily. I was doing commercial. Um, when I decided to kind of trim that down and focus a little bit more, you know, focus solely on multifamily investing, focus solely on, multifamily renovations and commercial. Um, that's really when things started to take off. Mm, yeah. It doesn't seem like it's a, an easy transition to go from thinking in residential and, and transaction-based. So now um, tackling several millions of dollar deals or several doors, um, did you um what was that transition like to start thinking bigger even and and then implementing that idea um yeah no i mean it it was a difficult transition for sure you know one the the numbers um getting used to dealing with with millions Mm -hmm. like it's nothing you know (laughs) yeah you know, $40 million acquisition here, $90 million acquisition here. I mean, um, so that was one, just getting over the large numbers. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, the fact that you're putting a lot more work into one deal, but Mm -hmm. that one deal is going to, one, pay pay you out several different ways and it's going to, create um, passive income for you. It's going to create cash flow, um, all these different things versus working on several smaller deals that in my case were just creating, you know, one transaction, one uh, getting paid once. Um, yeah. So that was probably the biggest transition, um, you know, not getting paid all the time, you know, from transaction to transaction. Um, yeah. Which I, I know is one thing a lot of investors struggle with. A lot of investors trying to make that leap over to multifamily, um, especially if they're trying to do it full time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that can be uh, a big leap, um, but with the right people in mind and and and, and also in, in your network, um, it seems uh, doable. Uh, the um, the one thing that I wanted to ask too was was your first 
large apartment deal like that um, done as a GP or as an, as an LP? Um, no, it was done right around the same time. I want to say maybe, maybe LP. Okay. And one LP and then right after I closed on, on our, on the first, um, syndication mm-hmm. deal. Um, yeah, I wanted to, to invest passively and I wanted to see, um, the other side of it, you know, I had never raised equity before, so yeah. I definitely wanted to, ex- I had never raised equity before and I had never invested passively. So yeah, I went and I deployed some of the funds I had and, and um, invested passively, but at the same time, I was still looking for deals. So it kind of happened simultaneously. Mm-hmm. It's good to know. Yeah. Um, awesome. Awesome. What, uh, what are some things that you um, look for and in, in, um, partners that you bring in for some of these deals? What are, um, what are some things that stand out? maybe as a red flag or, or things that are like positives. Um, and also if you could um, go into detail, what type of uh, uh, class types you look for, A, B, or, um, and, or deal structure. For sure. Um, so I mean, starting with the, the first question, you know, as far as the partners and co-GPs, um, I think the first thing I look for is, is this someone I can get along with? You know, is it someone that, um, you know, you can be married to this person for however long that deal ends up being. So, uh, do you have the same morals? Can, can you work through things? Uh-huh. Um, so that's probably the, the first. And then the second thing would be, okay, so how, how do we complement each other? You know, what, uh-huh. what can this individual bring and help us with and what can we bring to them and how can we add value to them um and if there's good synergy there then um it's kind of you know taking it to the next step maybe uh, meeting each other's teams and just making sure everything um will work and um so yeah that's the that's the first part you know that's how i've found the co-gps that um, I've got on our deals now. Um, and then as far as the type of properties, so mainly work with, um, C class and starting to do some more B class now, as far as multifamily properties, um, Okay. like to be at a hundred plus units, um, at the minimum. And then, uh, before COVID, a lot of uh, value add, heavy value add, you know, with the construction company leveraging um, that we have that in house. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the way uh, bridge loans are going, uh, you know, to those get till those get a little better as far as terms. Um, we're looking for for more uh, cash value deals or. Um, where there's a true opportunity there if it's uh-huh. you know, somebody's running into an issue with collections but the occupancy is still somewhat high so we don't have to come in with yeah. a, um, 
a bridge loan that has really bad terms. Um, yeah. Those are the kind of deals we're looking for now. Okay. And you, you're investing in um, Oklahoma, Texas, but open to uh, other areas around the country as well, as long as yeah, that yeah. criteria. I mean, in uh, Georgia, we've looked at stuff in, in North Florida, um, Carolinas, and then we've actually got um, we got one deal that we're raising for right now in South Dakota. Um, and then seems like we just landed another one there too. So we'll have two over in South Dakota. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, just open to, to go where where the deal is and if you know we like the market and the um we feel confident we can execute then mm -hmm. it could happen awesome what uh what have you noticed as like price per door for example in certain markets has it changed by a lot um based on like an investment let's say in dallas texas in comparison to a an investment in florida um have you guys changed your approach in, in that way and, and what you would pay per door or um, there are other factors that you consider that maybe I don't know about or. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I pay attention a lot to price per door. Um, started looking outside of Dallas because the price per door started getting a little bit too high for me. Um, you know, when I'm looking at something in, that's C-class property in a C, sometimes even a C-minus area, and they're wanting above 100000 a door for it, 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 to me, it just doesn't make sense. Um, and it's hard for me to, to pay that much for something. Um, when I, when I know I can build it for not much more, you know? Um, yeah. So that's what kind of had me start looking at the markets out, outside of Dallas um, and then into Oklahoma and those other areas where you're looking at more of uh, 50, 60, maybe even 70 a door. Um, and, you know, it's not all about the, the price per door, obviously. You know, Dallas, the reason that price per door is so high is because, I mean, it's an amazing city. You know, you got so many things, uh, so many positives, and the economy is uh, very, very healthy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you need to make sure you don't just go somewhere because, oh, it's 30 a door. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, the area needs to, to make sense, the population, the economy, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's some of the topics that you usually talk about or share about, um, it's locating properties and due diligence. Um, are there any other things that you feel like most investors overlook when it comes to due diligence, uh, that maybe you guys are good at or, or you're, um, strong in? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, having a, a true idea of what, what your capex is going to cost. I think, you know, I've seen where a lot of rough estimates are, are made even during due diligence. Um, you know, to me, that's the time for you to, to narrow down your scope of work of what you're going to do for capex to, to really know what deferred maintenance you're dealing with, 
um, what exactly it's going to cost you. Um, if not to to the T, like you know, plumbing sometimes can get difficult to know exactly what it's going to cost you because you can't. Um, you're not going to jet all the lines and then and then scope them and and see exactly what's wrong with them. Um, but you can get a pretty good idea if if you take the the professionals to come and inspect it during your due diligence, you can have a, a, a good idea. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, multifamily as far as big ticket items, it, it's pretty simple. You know, you, you've got your plumbing, you've got your roof, you've got your chillers if, if you have them, boilers if you have them. If not, then it's your individual um, AC units and water heaters, you know, the age of them. Um, you got your foundation, your drainage, your concrete. Mm -hmm. um, what else? As far as big ticket, I mean, those are the ones that stand out to me. Okay. Um, and then, and then being detailed. You know, like you said, not overlooking stuff. You know, you want to walk each unit. Um, uh, you want to inspect everything I just mentioned, you want to make sure you uh -huh. inspect every single one, um, every single roof, every single boiler, um, and having the right person inspect it too. You know, uh -huh. if, it's, if it's a chiller, um, you probably don't want to inspect it yourself. You know, you want to have somebody that that's what they specialize in. Um, uh -huh. So yeah, making sure you get the right eyes on it and then when you're done with your due diligence, you have an exact number of what you of what it should cost you to get that property. Another thing is you know, know your know your upgrades. Know know the price for your upgrades. Don't just don't just keep it to the deferred maintenance. Um, know what it's going to cost you to add that gazebo and that um, paint all the exteriors and all that other good stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, that's good. I'm uh, keeping an eye out to see if anybody has any questions on the Facebook live. Um, yeah, that's good uh, to be able to walk every unit and making sure that you're inspecting all those uh, big ticket items and considering, okay, what's going to be the deferred maintenance and what's going to be um, those, uh, those appliances even, or, or things that need to be upgraded right now. Um, Cause that, that would impact your, the money that you're going to invest on your uh, renovation and also your capex and things like that. Yeah. You got um, hundred units and um, you're thinking, Oh, I'm not going to replace the flooring. And then you close on and you're like, Oh, you know what? I want to replace all the flooring. Well, I mean, that's yeah. $200,000. No big deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's um, yeah, that's good. What uh, what has been like your average turnaround to uh, for you and your team to buy a property, renovate it, and get it ready for uh, the market or, or get it ready for tenants? Um, do you guys have a goal in mind um, as soon as you put it on the contract to by this certain time have it turn around? Um, are you saying the the Due diligence or when you actually close on it? When, when you, when you close on it. Okay. 
Um, yeah, I mean, for sure, you know, depending on the, on the size of it and, and how large the project is, we, by the time we close, we've had several pre-construction meetings. We've, we've got a schedule laid out. Um, we know exactly how long it's going to take us to, to get it done. Um, mm -hmm. and we start executing from day one. Uh, you said on, on average, you know, it depends how significant the, the upgrades are that we're going to do and, and, and whatnot. But, um, for the most part on the heavy, heavy lifts, um, you know, by the end of year one, we're ready to, to refinance and, and okay. get out of that bridge loan. So, okay. That's a good, um, ballpark idea. Yeah. Um, do you have any, as we're wrapping up here, you have any, um, things that make your company unique when it comes to like, when you, um, take, take over a building, you want to change the sign or you want to send out uh, letters or host any, um, any get togethers for the residents to know that there's new management, new, uh, ownership. Uh, do you have anything unique like that, that you guys do? Um, yeah, I mean, we, we definitely like the residents to know that, that there's uh, new ownership. And, mm -hmm. um, one thing that shows that right away is day one where they're doing work, you know, we're, we're fixing the roofs that, that were leaking. We're, painting the exteriors, we're cleaning up the landscape. Uh, we're going to try to, if we're going to rebrand, you know, we're going to try to get in there and do, do that as quick as possible. Um, on the management side of it, you know, we have our, our letters that go out, um, letting the residents know. And then, um, we quickly implement, we like to have a community feel. So, I mean, we will have events laid out obviously during COVID that, you know, that's a little difficult yeah. on some yeah. of the stuff. Um, but we've still managed to, to have events here and there. Um, so yeah, we want to show them right away that, Hey, we're here to, to do work and take care of the, the items that have probably been bothering you. And, mm -hmm. uh, we're also going to upgrade things at the same time. And then we're going to have a good time. You know, we're going to bring the community together. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I, sh I saw you shooting some hoops there with some of the residents. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking about that, how do you, um, how do you balance, uh, work and personal life? Uh, what has helped you, um, in, in that aspect? Um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's a struggle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's been a struggle for me. Um, I tend to, to always be in work mode. Um, and I've had to learn to, to be able to shut that off. Um, mm -hmm. to kind of just realize, you know, the reason for me doing all this work and, and, and building this is yeah. for my family. So it would be pretty ironic for me not to spend time <laughs> with them <laughs> because I'm building this for them. Um, so you know, the weekends for the most part, I, I, I try to keep it, um, for the family, um, mm -hmm. do some minimal work maybe, 
Um, and then when I'm with them, I'm, I'm, I'm with them, you know, like a hundred percent, um, not on my phone, not like I'm there, you know, yeah. spending time with them. Yeah. Uh, physically and, and emotionally. Yeah. There. That's good. Um, I, um, the reason I ask is, uh, yeah, like, I mean, I'm, I'm married now and also to just figuring out how to balance, uh, the two cause, uh, they're both important and, uh, yep. yeah. Um, no, no, not yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but we, we, we would like to down the line. Yes. Have kids. Yeah. Um, so what would, uh, as we, um, I don't see we, there are any questions here. What would you say are three tips you will give to people, uh, that have helped you be successful? Uh, if you could pass on anything to other people. Yeah. Um, trying to think of something different. I usually answer the question. I'll give you my, my, my usual answer because it's one thing that helped me the most. And I kind of mentioned already is just focus. So, yeah, you know, especially now, man, with, with, with social media and everything that's going on, there's, there's so much noise, mm -hmm. you know, find, what you're passionate about and what you want to do and then focus and put your energy towards that. Um, you know, even if, if it's going to be a side hustle right now, because you've got something else going on, that's fine. Just put all your energy and focus on the side to that one project, master it. And then, you know, depending on how you build it and if you build a team, uh -huh. you can, you know, jump over and start focusing on something else. Um, so that's probably my number one. Uh, you know, two is uh, something we, we also spoke about already, but I'll uh -huh. mention again is, is, is systems, systems and procedures. Um, uh -huh. There's a lot of uh, solo entrepreneurs that um, get stuck in the grind in the day-to-day and years can go by trust me i've been there <laughs> um, and if you don't step back and work on those systems and those procedures and um start building your team then you're only going to take it as far as you physically can you know one person can only do so much and um uh -huh. If that's what you want to do, that's fine. You know, some people are, are, are content with that and that, that's all they want to do is as much okay. as they can and they don't want to build a, a business. But um, if your goal is to build a large business, something you can sell if you want to eventually or whatever it is, um, then, then you've got to learn to step back from the day-to-day -day and, and work on the actual business uh -huh. in the business um that's good yeah that's a that's a tough one i mean yeah anybody that's you know these highly successful individuals that own these massive companies they learn that <laughs> at some point they, they realize that mm -hmm. um the easy or the hard way <laughs> but they learn it yeah right um and third is uh 
pay attention to your habits. Um, I think mm. habits are, are massive. Um, your routine, habit, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, your, your day is made up of, of several thousand decisions you make, whether you realize it or not. And um, those end up adding up and determining how successful you are in anything. So mm-hmm. you can pinpoint some bad habits, then you can, um, and you're aware of them, then you mm-hmm. can uh, swap them out for some good habits. Um, and sometimes we don't realize that we do those things until we start tracking them down. Right. I appreciate you sharing and I thank you for your time. If you enjoyed this interview and want to stay up to date with what George is up to, you can follow him on Facebook at George L. Labreo. Uh, you can also follow him on LinkedIn at George L. Labreo and on Instagram at George Multifamily. We hope you enjoyed this interview and got some value out of it to help you in your real estate investing journey. If you can take just a minute, please do us a favor and leave a review. Hit the like button on iTunes or whatever platform you listen to our podcast on and subscribe so you can hear future episodes. Also, don't forget to check out our Real Estate Home Runs Podcast community Facebook group where you are able to connect with some great listeners. If you're an investor who is crushing it and want to share some information centered around passive income in real estate, please contact us. Hit those home runs and we will see you next time.